You're listening to Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editorial team, and this week we've got reviews for Splatoon 3, Steel Rising, Gloomhaven, and a wrap-up of PAX West 2022. Let's go! Welcome to the show, my little gamers. I'm here with my illustrious co-host, Andrew King. Hello, gamers. It's great to be here. We got, we got Big Gamer and Bigger Gamer here. That's right. It's like, uh, you know, when The Rock was in Rampage and the tagline was Big Meets Bigger. That's like right. Think in this situation, I'm the gorilla and you're The Rock. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> nice. I've just returned from PAX West in Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just flown in. My little gamer arms are tired. And you're wearing a PAX shirt. I can confirm that. Eric you know what's crazy? Shirt. What does this shirt say? PAX, but it looks like it could say pox. Like says, monkey pox. It says PAX East. Oh my gosh, but you got that from the West. No, I got this when I was at PAX East. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I thought maybe they were selling the wrong shirts. I bamboozled you. I thought you were going for a lot of things there. I thought you were, I thought you thought it looked like pox. I thought you were, I thought it was, yeah. This is good. This is good visual content for Mm -hmm. our audio listeners. Um, Okay. Let's get into it. Because I did all the things. I played all the games. I shook all the hands. I talked to all the men and women. I want to know. I want to know yeah. the three things that you played at PAX that most got the gamer juice flowing in your brain. Uh, great question. Great question. Three. Okay. Well, okay. I want to start with High on Life. I think that's okay. probably one of the more high profile. And we talked about this before. You are, you're on board. Mm-hmm. You're um, on board with Squanch Games and Justin Roiland. I am to an extent. I am of sort of of two minds about it, right? Because in that trail, in both of the clips I've seen from High on Life, there is stuff that I think is genuinely funny, like gets a laugh out of me. It just is the rate of jokes that I'm concerned about. I'm afraid that they're gonna. It's just gonna be too much, too many jokes, too often, and it's gonna be overwhelming, and it, you'll get numb to it eventually. I guess is my fear from what I've seen of the game. Uh. Fair. I think a lot of people have that feeling. I think I don't know if I said this on the show or what, but we're we're at a somewhat of a saturation point with the Rick and Morty humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, largely because the fan base is intolerable. Not that the right. content of the sh- of the the show and the jokes are. But uh, okay, here's what I'll say. I played up to the first boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Justin Roiland's hotel room with mm. him and his uh, EP, uh, Maddie. Maddie. How was that? Uh, it was a ton of fun. Talking to him was a ton of fun. Um, what is the man, what is the man, the myth, the legend like in person? Justin is um, f- very fun to talk to. He's very passionate. He um, He is not as, as like as loose and improvisational and maybe you could argue low effort as a lot of his comedy seems to be, Mm -hmm. uh, he is very 
thoughtful. He puts a ton of energy into this stuff. And uh, that was a big part of what our conversation was about. Um, the The first half of our conversation was about uh, how fucked up his hotel room was. Oh, yeah. Uh, they like the fridge didn't work and they and they were like, uh, oh, well, it's not a fridge. People just like to keep food in there. And he's like, well, if it's not a fridge, how am I supposed to keep food in there? And then, and then uh, they're like, well, some people plug it in. <laughs> and he's so like, it is a fr- so it's a fridge. It's just not plugged uh, in. And they're like, well, there's a $25 fee if you want to uh, have a fridge in your room. Wow. Uh, so that was fun. So he's a, he's a little neurotic. I think that's yeah. fair to say. I don't think uh, he would disagree with that necessarily. He, yeah. he, he says that he is a, he kind of a go with the flow guy, but our mm-hmm. conversation went from like the fridge doesn't work to his fear of bed bugs uh-huh. to how much he loves this certain backpack he has and how sad he would be if something bad happened to it. Mm. Uh, yeah. You Relatable get the picture. concerns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, um, I guess my question, knowing that you met with him and somebody else who's involved with the game, is so much of the buzz online about this game seems pretty negative. I think, like, I am sort of in a media, in a mid position where I'm like, I would be happy if it's good. I feel like it could be overwhelming, but there is some stuff that I think is funny in there. Do, yeah. Are they aware of the way people are talking about the yes. game online? Okay. And how do they feel about that? What was the vibe you got from them? So the things that people are worried about, like the the idea that it's just like nonstop jokes and it's the same sort of joke over and over and it's obnoxious, like mm-hmm. all all that stuff they say is not the case and not something to be worried about that like that's what you put in a trailer. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's a twenty-hour game, and it's not that the guns are just like constantly talking. It's not like everything is jokey, jokey. In fact, there's like a lot of horror. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like pretty dark shit in it too, because uh, he says like that's how you tell a story. Like you have to get the player to care about what's happening and to feel like what they're doing is impactful. Yeah. So like. There's some, there's heavy shit too. It's not just uh, one big joke. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, uh, that's basically the tone that Rick and Morty has. Like, there's some sad stuff and. Yeah. There's Rick some and Morty too. Also, yeah. they are to address that concern if it really is uh, overwhelming or obnoxious or whatever. They're uh, adding in a feature that's a silencer that goes on the gun's oh, okay. mouths oh, that's to shut fun. them up. Yeah, so that's a. I think that's a fun way to to address it. To do yeah, that's it. a good idea. I feel like, especially if you like, you know, I don't know. Like the a part of the concern is it's like, okay, I died four times and I'm playing through this section again. I have to hear all the same jokes. If you have a silencer, you know, that you can just put on the gun that makes them shut up. I feel like that would, you know, that's that's yeah. a smart way to fix that. I think, and that's. That's possible. I I had to do the fir- the boss three times. Now I don't play shooters with a controller, and the demo was on a controller, so yeah, it was a bit of a skill issue. But yeah, w- but I was struggling a little bit. Like I got on the third try, but they were telling me like, oh yeah, well, most people don't get this on the first try. Like that we've shown it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what uh, what I really liked about it is the same thing I like about 
Rick and Morty. So I assume that if you don't like Rick and Morty, then it'll be all the things you don't like. But like uh, the the demo starts in your house and mm-hmm. there's a TV on and the TV has one of those interdimensional cable ads, you know, for like some nonsense product that yeah. makes no sense. And mm-hmm. then when the ad ends, it starts playing a movie, a real movie. Uh, Tammy and like the T Rex. Okay, you know this movie? No. Oh, so it's a movie that exists in real life. A real movie. This is okay. Paul Walker and Denise Richards. <laughs> Paul Walker is a high school. This is a real movie. Paul okay. Walker is from... a from the nineties. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say it must be pre Fast and Furious. Yes, an unknown Paul Walker is a high school jock who gets. Uh, murdered Mm. and his brain gets put into a robot T-Rex. It's very, it's very RoboCop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this movie starts and I'm just watching the movie. And then I look back at them and they're watching me watch the movie, you know? And I'm like, Uh is this just the whole movie? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's like a bunch. You can just say, you can just sit there and watch the whole movie if you want. So wait, there's yeah. more than one movie that you can just sit there they, and watch in the game? They licensed, they wouldn't tell me how many, but they licensed multiple movies that just wow. play on the TV. And they made See, this... I like that. They made this silly little guy who's like kind of like the Crypt Keeper, but he's, a, he's mm-hmm. an alien. So he, the joke is like he's he doesn't know these movies and he's not because he's not from Earth or whatever. And so mm-hmm. he's kind of like showing up during the commercial breaks to talk about how dumb they are. Mm. Now, is your character? I assume you don't have any guns yet at this point. Uh, I don't think it's the beginning, beginning of the game because I already have the first gun. I have the, okay. the Justin Roiling gun. So, is the gun like offering commentary on the movie, or is the gun quiet during that? The gun's just quiet. During okay. That part. Yeah, yeah. So you can just watch the movie basically like you would in yeah. real life. Okay. Yes. Which is so ridiculous and no one would do but that is that is very funny to me that they would do that. yeah that they would spend like, money to license the dumbest movie ever and put the whole right. thing in the game i feel like i am gonna watch the whole thing i love when that <laughs> kind of stuff is in games like in red dead redemption when they had you know like the little i mean they were obviously very short because that game takes place in like 1910 but like when yeah. they had the little you know movie shows that you could go see outside of the city at like the tent like that yeah. was i love that kind of stuff I think the thing, I think I think the thing you you don't get from the trailers, and Re touched on this in her preview too, because she played it at Gamescom before I played it at PAX. Mm. We played the same demo. I yeah. think the thing about it is that it is such an immersive, stupid world mm-hmm. that when you're like when you're in it and you're walking around these like hub zones and you're like in the town and going to the all the different places. Like you can't really help but just go along with for the ride, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I think yeah. watching a trailer on your Twitter feed, mm-hmm. you're kind of primed for criticism. Mm-hmm. But but once once you're like in this really stupid world, it's like okay, this is stupid, and right, and it's much easier to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yes, I wrote a feature called Why Are Games So Unfunny that sort of used this game as a jumping off point. Mm -hmm. Less because I think this game seems especially unfunny and more because that is like the derision that it sort of drew was people being frustrated with how often 
you know, the characters were talking. And I think part of the reason people are ready to jump on this game is because games do historically have a problem with characters not shutting up and thinking that they're a lot funnier than they are. You know, like the yes. Borderlands game and Rage 2, like there's like even like Spider-Man, that was like my one of my bigger problems with that game is that like Spider-Man is supposed to be like a, you know, quippy character and so you have to sort of write him that way, but like it's hard to write enough good jokes to fill a 20 plus hour game, you know. Right. Right, but Justin Roiland is a comedy writer. You know, like who Mm -hmm. wrote Borderlands? I have no Mm -hmm. idea. I don't think that they're especially good writers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like Justin Roiland's a comedy writer and he's a story writer. Like, Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know. I get get the saturation of it. I get like, oh, here's more Rick and Morty. Oh, he's doing that little weird guy voice again. Mm -hmm. But like, he is a good storyteller. Like, Rick and Morty has really good episodes that are good stories i don't know i don't know why i have to defend like the most popular show the most popular animated show but yeah uh, no i like i like rick and morty a lot i think justin Roiland is funny um i think um it just is it feels like it's part of a trend that like games have like so much of like tone in games and in other media has sort of become just not take anything very seriously and quip about everything all the time. It sort of is like the Whedon effect, like that we talk mm-hmm. about, you know, like that everything has sort of become that Whedon-esque, quippy, Marvel humor kind of approach. Um, and games have that same, like, tone a lot of the time now. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think it is a length issue, is that most games don't have a team of comedy writers working on them. They have, like, right. you know, games writers who are not, like, you know, trained in doing comedy most of the time. Like, so when you have like actual, I don't know how big the writing staff is outside of him, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how big the studio is. This is definitely their most triple A-ist game. Like it is, it's a pretty competent shooter. You, it has progression and abilities. It kind of has like a, a Mega Man hub and spoke kind of system where you can take the bosses in a different order and you get upgrades in a different order. And then that sort of affects the, the story of the game because you're getting guns in a different order. So the interactions you have between the guns and other characters changes. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Uh, what, what have which they, is interesting. What have they done before this? They did Trover saves the universe, which was like a PSVR. Yeah. This um, is their fourth game. Uh, okay. Trover was was VR and whatever traditional pancake okay. game. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but the two before that was like a Rick and Morty VR, right? VR game. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah, two, two other VR games. So was the other one like doing your taxes or something like yes. that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've not played any of the other ones. I wanted to play Trover. I just never got around to it. I I like Trover. The gameplay is not that captivating it's it's a platformer that you play from this you know weird god perspective yeah because it's vr you can move and look around the world Mm -hmm. so it's got this kind of like toy box feel to it but it's a pretty simple platformer but the the writing is good it is funny game um and uh what is this one is is it just like a you're saying it's got like sort of a hub and spoke design so it's is it like a it's a, is it like a Metroid Prime kind of shooter? Is it like a puzzle shooter? Is it just a straight up shooter? How would you describe the version of a shooter that it is? Uh it's it's a 
pretty straightforward linear levels and then your guns give you different abilities different combat abilities i don't think that they're necessarily exploration abilities but okay uh like at the beginning uh i the in the demo i got the knife knifey Mm -hmm. uh and the knife is also a grappling hook okay so so that let me do traversal but also was used in the boss like in the arena with the boss the floor would disappear and you'd have to grapple hook around. Mm. So and yeah, it's like platformy first person shooter. Is there more than one gun that you get or do you like get upgrades for the gun? They're all different guns or different characters. Okay. Um, there we went. So he, when we were talking, we went so deep into the lore and mm. all kinds of stuff. That's not in the game. That is just okay. like, background that they had to build up but yeah, yeah so the gun the guns are called gatlians they're from another planet mm. the this cartel of aliens that has invaded earth invaded them first okay and like enslaved them and and grafted the them to their bodies they're like mm. cybernetic with these other you know whatever yeah. uh so so yeah so all and all the guns have like uh amazing voice actors one of them's jb smooth okay one of them them's tim robinson from Mm. i think you should leave yeah Um, those are two extremely funny people yes they got a bunch of comedians um to do that but then they also have like all of the the video game legends of voice acting you know like troy baker yeah they got all the troy bailey and all yeah they got all of them too Mm. so okay yeah. It, excellent. It sounds like the, the most epic crossover since the Avengers Endgame. <laughs> We've been waiting, right? Yes. We've been waiting for... Um, um, well, that sounds cool. I feel like when I hear people talk about it who have actually played the game, it sounds good. And if I just go based on like what I see on Twitter, I'm like a little iffier on it. But it sounds, mm-hmm. like, sounds like it's worth playing. It sounds like something I'll definitely... It's coming out in December, right? Yes. It reminds me from what I've seen and from what you're describing of Journey to the Savage Planet. Did you play that game? I love Journey to the Savage Planet. Yeah. I love it. Now that's too. a that's a Metroid. Yeah. That's a straight yeah, yeah, yeah. Metroid. This I is really way like more that level game a lot too. I yeah. feel like that game got some shit because it's you know, lead developer said something on Twitter that people got mad at around the same he time. He said a lot of things on, on Twitter that people got mad yes. at. Yeah. I don't remember He's, exactly what it was. Um, uh, it was but, probably the thing about how Twitch streamers should be paying royalties to studios. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, yes, I think that is what it was. <laughs> that that um, is a very hot take. Yeah. Um, and then also the word ha- having the word savage in it and like people not being sure if that was like tongue in cheek or if there was some awareness of what they were doing with the word savage in the title. I think those things sort of made it so there was like a little right discourse around that game but like actually playing it it just is a very good like metroid inspired like first person sci-fi shooter and i really liked it a lot yeah it's great and 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 a comedy for sure Mm -hmm. um but but annoying like the bad kind that people are worried this right it had i think what reminded me of it when we were talking was that that um had live action like videos that were like from the corporation that you work for like training videos type stuff and um, I mean, even when that's not done especially and well, I like seeing, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like seeing FMV in games. I like it in Control. I like it in Journey to the Savage Planet. I'm excited to see it in this. Like, just I, I will, I promise you, I will watch these movies when I play this game. I'm gonna <laughs> have screenings for myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So I said I wanted three. So what are the? And other we did two 20 games? minutes on High on Life. Yeah. 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 Shit. So what else? Did you, uh, what else did you play? Uh, I saw a little game that's a ways out called Umbilical that hmm. captured my imagination. Okay, uh, you you play as a baby in this one. This <laughs> this is a survival horror roguelike. Okay. Uh, you play as a a woman on a fucked up planet full of parasite aliens that want to kill her. Okay. Uh, and also a drone above her. You're actually mm. seeing her from the perspective of the drone. Okay. And they are connected by a cable, by a mm. very biotic umbilical cord. And was this shown off at Xbox or something? I feel like there was something sort of similar. At the Or not Xbox, at um, Opening Night Live. Did they show it off at uh, Opening Night Live or something? Man, they showed so much stuff at Opening Night Live. I can't. They showed a lot of sci-fi stuff too. So maybe I'm getting it confused with something else can't exactly remember um but this is cool they uh the drone and the woman share an energy pool okay uh so when she runs the the light on the drone dims and the sort of radius of the light circle shrinks and when you're not in the light you're in danger and you can't see so you're with the left side of the controller you're moving the drone around which is your camera and also the light source and then with the right side of the controller you're moving her through the world and you can play co-op. So one person's the drone and one person is her. Uh, okay. It is very returnal. It's very like Geiger, alien, uh, definitely inspired by Death Stranding in some ways too. Oh, it's um, a strand game is what you're telling it's, me. For sure it's a strand game. Okay. Uh, it's just like a a really gross world. Everything's just like slick with mucus and viscera and all the Mm. barriers are like tendrils of organic alien grossness um yeah i thought that one looked super cool Um, yeah it sounds cool i think it's gonna be a while also if you're into metroidvanias which i think you are me uh yeah are you yeah i am i am i am i played a a celeste like called lucid Ah. This one's okay. kind of a ways out too, but this mm. is a solo dev and mm. uh, just like a nut for Metroidvanias and side scrollers, and mm. basically wanted to make a game that used every mechanic from every good <laughs> Metroidvania ever wow. made. So, uh-huh. just like a real connoisseur of the genre, and just threw all of it in, and it works really well. And he did all the art, all the music, like pretty much everything mm. uh and it's it's really impressive so you have your dashes like celeste you can either dash horizontally or vertically and you get two but if you hit something it resets oh, so you're okay. trying to string together and what one thing that makes it different from celeste is you also have a little blaster metroid style blaster that you can aim mm. uh like diagonally up or down or straight ahead yeah. and w- if you shoot something it resets your dashes too so mm. you're dashing through objects in the air, but you're also aiming and shooting objects because that resets your dashes too. Mm. And you're mm. just like doing these crazy routes without ever touching the ground. Um, yeah, that, that one, that one cool. is super cool. 
all the all this stuff I'm I'm gonna have previews up on the site for so you can see like the trailers and what what was that one called? That one's called Lucid. Lucid. That, yeah, that one's from Apogee. Okay. So Apogee is like the original publisher they like to call themselves, you know. Like, right. They put out um didn't they do uh oh um freaking that game with the guy who wisecracks duke nukem yep yeah okay. duke nukem and i mean all of i probably like not wolfenstein but like all of that old shit and then they disappeared for a while and now they're back publishing games okay um, well, that's cool yeah yeah and that both really that fun. and umbilical are a ways out yeah i think so but um, okay. but I like that at these kind of shows because you get to see the progress. You know, I'll see him. Yeah, I'll see him in six months, and we'll see where mm-hmm. the game's at. And then another six months when PAX West comes up again. So yeah, well that's I cool. Like that, I like that stuff. I like all of these. I like all the. I like all the games you brought. You brought to the table today. I approve of I also, all of these games. I just want to mention a publisher that's really come out of nowhere. They're called Rogue Games. Okay. Uh. And they weren't called Rogue before, and they, I, it sounds like from talking to a bunch of devs and stuff, it sounds like that they built up a pretty sizable war chest doing mobile stuff, mm. and now they're getting into uh, indies and more traditional games, and they're able to just work with tons of developers and publish a bunch of stuff really quick. So I played like five of their games and oh, they wow. were all fucking awesome. One of them we saw at opening night live. I'm pretty sure it was called cookie cutter. Okay. And it's a hand drawn Metroidvania with like combo fighter uh, mechanics. Okay. Like uh, not like platform fighter, like a smash kind of uh, combat. Oh, okay. But, it, but it's a hand drawn Metroidvania. Yeah, that looks super cool. That one is super cool. I that reminds me of like Earthworm Jim. Like I'm getting like yes, sort of that. I said that, that too. Sort of vibes from it. Okay. Yeah. Um. But for sure, M rated. Mm. Uh. Also, they're publishing the last case of Benedict Fox. Okay. Uh, which is another Metrovania. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Metrovanias this year, but that's just how the indie world works. Yeah. Uh, and then Sea Frog. You heard okay, of Sea Frog? Sea Frog, Sea Frog, formerly Sea Dog, mm. is a skateboard platformer where you're a little frog on a skateboard and you gotta work your way through these levels by doing stunts and building momentum and hitting ramps and stuff. It's very cool. Mm, okay. Yes, uh, I have found something about it, but I I want to see more. Show us more uh that one is a ways out too so they so rogue did a pitch contents they did like a um like a shark tank oh okay and this was the game that won that contest and got funded Mm. so it's a small team yeah yeah so it's a small team i think it's like four guys i met them at pax they were really cool and this is their they they've been in the industry for like ten years, but this is the first game they're making completely on their own, uh, mm. with their own studio. So, Seafrog. Oh, that's cool. I mean, 
I I think it is cool when developers make the move from mobile over to more traditional games. Like sometimes that can be really great. Like the the people behind Sable before they mm-hmm. made that, they had only made mobile games, and then like Sable, like like I didn't finish Sable. It was pretty buggy when I played it because it was right at launch, but that was a very impressive game, like graphically and cool to play. So like developers can make i mean like the mobile skills seem like they transfer to regular game development you know yeah and can help fund it if you you know need that money to yeah for sure can help to, fund to it to get going yeah yeah uh yeah so that was pax we should probably cover some news stories i don't think i have sure. too much more to say i got to i did get to talk to ron gilbert and dave grossman from monkey island oh yeah uh, and I didn't play much. I didn't play any of the game or anything. I just talked to them, and uh, that was a really fun conversation. Uh, we talked about, you know, if if you're not like caught up with all that stuff, they announced Return to Monkey Island earlier this year, and when they finally showed what it looked like, some people were not happy. I probably mm-hmm. mentioned it on the show. I don't love the way it looks personally. Either. Yes, and I think I have mentioned that I agree with you, and but also like the whole shitstorm around it has made it feel like I don't want to right touch touch that aspect of the discourse just because I like feel bad that they got so much shit about it. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm not, we, I'm not I did talk to them about that. Uh-huh. Uh, and Ron Gilbert, who uh, wrote his on his blog about it, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, he was just like, I, for all these years, I've been able to share all this behind the scenes and making of and talk about my process and talk about things that we tried and didn't work or things that we cut. And Mm -hmm. I can't do that with this game. I'm not going to be able to get in to do that thing that I love to do because people are just going to pick it apart. People are just going to hyper focus on one thing I say uh, and just be like super critical and toxic about it. So like, yeah, I'm, not, sucks. I, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but he's also has the perspective of like, this isn't a f- new phenomenon. This is people have always been like this. It's just that, you know, you would read a comic book or you would go see star Wars in the theater and you'd bitch at your friends about it. But now mm-hmm. the whole world has a platform. Everybody's got a megaphone. Right. So, yeah, it sucks for them to be on the receiving end of all that toxicity. And I mm-hmm. feel like that toxicity just makes it harder to talk about things in general because it's like, you know, like I was saying, like I don't want to talk about the art style because I know it must suck for them. But it's like also like that is obviously fair game for criticism. It just is like, you know, you know, it's, people sort of shit in the punch bowl and sort of ruin it for the rest of us, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I, and at, at the same time, I feel bad for the Monkey Island f- fans that weren't assholes and would have loved to see all that making of stuff and hear right. about the process. Yeah. And Because it is really cool to see these guys that made this game 30 years ago come back and make, make another one. That's a pretty unique thing, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be cool to know more about. And, you know, th- things may change over time. He might, uh, he might warm up to the idea. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the news. We got a few stories to run through. Uh, let's, let me touch on this halo thing. Okay. Halo, halo just did a dev update. 
so to catch everybody up to speed really quick, Halo launched last November. The first season lasted six months, which is ridiculous for a mm-hmm. live service game. They said at the end of the first season, we're going to add Forge, which is like the map maker custom game mode. We're going to add co-op because it did not have campaign co-op. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to add uh, other shit. Uh, so season two came around in May and none of that happened. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff was ready. Right. And they're like, all that stuff, season three now, November. Mm-hmm. And some of that stuff came out in like beta, like the co-op is playable and like people have like hacked together forge mode or whatever. Like people are playing forge mm-hmm. in a way right now, but yeah. season two was another six month season. So now we're talking like, as of right now, we're 10 months in to Halo, Halo Infinite. It's only had, Mm -hmm. it's still in its second season. And it's like, where's the content, my dudes? Like, what are we doing? So last week they put out like a half hour long dev update. They Mm -hmm. introduced Sean Barron, who's their new head of live service. And I think that, uh, I think that it, it was important for them to do that in this format because we I, we see this kind of thing all the time when there is bad PR or you know when a game kind of looks like it's a sinking ship, mm-hmm. you have a new face and the new face says all the right things and it makes people feel like there's a new direction, right. even if they even if they can't see it or feel it or experience it because game dev takes so long. Mm-hmm. At least it's like, oh, well, you have something to point to. Like this, right. this is the moment where things started going in the right direction. And I think, like the introduction of Sean Barron is kind of that moment. That's kind of what they wanted, right? Right. Yeah. So they do this dev update, and Sean Barron's like saying all the sh- things a live service game is. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. like, we want Halo to have seasonality. I think that's the word yeah. he kept using. Seasonality. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, yeah, I, yes, that's what we've wanted for a year. Like, mm-hmm. so he's saying all the right things, but also in the broader context, it's like he's saying all the obvious things. Like he's saying mm-hmm. what every other game already does. Right. Um, but then they also say that season two is going to be four months longer. <laughs> oh, and it's gone for four months already. And it's gone for four months already. And it okay. was supposed to end in two months. So it's going to be it a 10-month was... season. Okay. And... Oh, wait. So they're adding four months on to the six months that was originally yes. planned? Okay. Yes. Uh, and they're dropping couch co-op completely. That's not happening. Right. That was the big headline that I saw coming out of this. And that's a real bummer. People that I talked to about whether they were going to buy Halo at the start. And they were saying they were... Like I have, a, I have friends that are brothers that always play through the campaigns together and like you know get it up, get up till they're ready to play it on legendary and play it through on legendary and like, I mean right. they can still do it online they just won't be able to do it in person together which I think is what they were planning. Yes, they can do it online and to be honest, it's. I am glad that they are going to put all their energy into live service. That's what's going to keep mm-hmm. the game alive. Also, I don't know how you do open world couch co-op. I don't know how you do split screen. You're running the game twice at that point, you know? Right, that's true. There were probably some serious limitations to do an open world game like that, so. Yeah, I mean, do do any of the Far Cry games have couch co-op? I don't know. I would be surprised. Yeah, that does seem like it would be challenging. I guess Borderlands is a similar case. Do they have couch co-op? Yeah. Okay, I, I... 
Yeah. So the crazy thing, I think Borderlands does have couch co-op. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Um, the the crazy thing is that season three will start in May, mm. and it will not be a three month season like a traditional season. It will be shorter. Like okay, he <laughs> the the framing was very uh, messy, but it was like. Mm. Think of season three as the start of the process to get to seasonality. It it won't okay. be a thirteen week season. It won't be a six month season. But by the end of twenty twenty three, we want to get to thirteen week seasons. That so wait, the, it's going to be is the idea that it's going to be in between six months and thirteen weeks that it's yes. going to be like a okay. So they're working to yeah. shorten them down. They're working to shorten them down. That seems like something. I guess it is. It's just like. We're, the end of 2023 is is now we're in year three of Halo Infinite. And that's mm-hmm. when we're hopefully going to have regular 13-week seasons, you know? Right, yeah. At some point in year three of Halo Infinite, like, come yeah. on, you guys. Is this just I a too-big-to-fail like... situation for them? Yeah. They were just so no, unprepared no. to do a live service game. Right, and it's like, I had a really great time with Halo when it first launched. I yeah. loved the multiplayer like i put hey i didn't finish halo's campaign and i put that game like number two on my game of the year list. i don't know if i ever published anything but i like in my mind it was number two on my game of the year list mm-hmm. because i had so much fun with the multiplayer but then there's just has not been a ton of reasons to go back to it it seemed like yeah so the other thing is like when season three was supposed to start in november they're still getting a big update and while they're they're framing it as like the December content update. They should really be calling it season two and a half because they are releasing Forge. They're releasing Mm -hmm. a campaign co-op. They're giving a free battle pass and it's a short, it's a short battle pass so that they can experiment with their new challenge system. That's going to like move people through the battle pass faster. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they're adding a map and they're adding new weapons, but that might not be till season three. I can't remember exactly, but so there is like a mini season coming in November when season three was supposed to start. Yeah. Um, and you they should, I, they, they should have called it that, you know, that would have helped mm, take the burn off a little. I feel like we may be at the very end of the model that has been the traditional model with games that have single player and multiplayer components where these things are part of one package together. I just don't think that's going to be the way games take too long to make. They're too big. They're too complicated. Like I feel like cyberpunk has run into the same problem where it's just like, you know, it seems like you're trying to do too many things and then like inevitably something is going to get the short straw or it's going to take forever to get stuff done that you said you were going to do. Right. Well, look at last of us, right? Right. Like they just broke it off. Like if they had tried to launch both of those at the same time, one of those things would have been a mess. If they had tried to launch the factions mode and the campaign at the same time. And like, it seems like it is, you know, either going multiplayer only free to play like apex legends and Valorant and Fortnite and PUBG or like, releasing them as separate games you know basically it would be really weird to hear about like a triple a game that just has a multiplayer mode like how uncharted Mm -hmm. used to just have multiplayer like that would be really weird if a new game came out like that i really don't remember the last time we had a game like that Uh, i guess cod is like the 
only one that's really still doing it. Right. Yeah. Like, um, because Battlefield, the last Battlefield game, didn't have a campaign. It was just multiplayer. Right. And Halo, like we were saying, Halo launched the multiplayer early, and then a month later came out with the campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It's it's we're definitely living in like a transitional period when it comes to what we expect from like games as a as a full package, I guess. Because right. it's like you either have games that are single player, like God of War and Jedi Fallen Order, or you have games that are free to play and multiplayer, and it's almost never the two of them together in one package anymore. And I think when developers try to still do that, it, they run into huge issues you know Mm -hmm. games are just too big and take too long to make now to do that model anymore right yeah uh let's touch on a couple more things before we get to the games okay uh so games done quick yeah speed round organization we're all familiar so they do two events a year they do games done quick and they do awesome games done quick Mm -hmm. in the winter or i guess Mm -hmm. it's summer games done quick and awesome games done quick anyway yeah uh, i think that's right so awesome games done quick 2022 this winter 2023 i guess it's in january was Mm -hmm. supposed to be in florida at a convention center they announced this week that they're going online and cited uh florida's uh two things not taking covid seriously anymore Mm -hmm. and the uh the don't say gay bill right the like uh, aggression towards minorities right right yeah uh the don't say gay bill specifically uh they said that it's not florida is not a safe place for their players yeah i mean it's hard to argue with that ronda santos is a punk yeah ronda santos is a punk bitch he's the probably the person I hate the most in politics. It used to be Donald Trump, but Trump at least is funny, and like Ron DeSantis is just a humorless <laughs> asshole. And, I think uh, it is it is so bold of them to mm-hmm. to take this huge loss because they had booked this convention center and they're just going to have to eat the cost of that. Yeah, and it's and they, pretty yeah, they, it's pretty fucking heroic to do this on just your morals, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think it is the right decision i mean like florida and texas and a lot lot of other i mean a few other states that have conservative state governments or governors are just not safe place not safe places for queer people anymore like if you look like i follow some trans people on twitter who are like helping people move out of states like texas because of their you know because they are, you know, legally making, supporting a trans child, child abuse like that. They're defining it as child abuse and making it so that they can take children away from their parents if their parents allow them to transition. Right. Um, and Florida is not doing that specifically, but they are doing other anti-trans stuff and like have made it like... um made rules that are made laws that are like harming adult trans people now as well. So it just is uh, like a scary time to be alive. Like if you are a trans person, like there are several States in the country now where you are not safe anymore. And like, right. I think it's a great decision by games done quick to move out of Florida. And I generally, 
I sort of have complicated feelings about like when people say that they won't make a movie in Georgia anymore or something like that. Cause it's like, well, like there are, that is jobs out of the, you know, that is taking jobs away from people that did nothing wrong that just work there and rely on the industry. So I'm like that. Um, it is seems, complicated. Yeah, it is complicated, but this seems like it is not, it's not well, as big of a, you know, it's not, it's not created. It wouldn't have created as many jobs as like a, I don't well, know that Kingston it would have quick any, isn't a business, yeah. right? It's a, right. it's a charity organization. Right. And it wouldn't like have that, created jobs. It just would have given people at the venue work for whatever weekend it was there. Right. And I assume they're mostly volunteers. I don't know that. Yeah. I, I think, I believe that they are volunteers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's disappointing because online is not as much fun as in person. That's kind of the right. only thing is like, this is a, a great opportunity for, you know, the like community, the speedrunning community mm-hmm. to get together. But uh, this is good. I think everybody supports this decision and, you know, they'll mm-hmm. be back to in person somewhere else. Um, yeah. Just not in Florida. And, it, and it's not going to hurt Florida. It's not going to do anything. It's just the right thing to do. That's right. it. Like that's all there is to it. Yeah. You just they're just right. doing the right thing. And to me, it's it's just like the fucking Harry Potter game, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're not going right. to hurt J.K. Rowling by not buying the game, but it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and the people that worked on it and were working on it before her hard heel turn into being a turf, like they already got paid. You know, they they got paid their salaries. Like it may affect their future if the game doesn't do well, like the future of the studio, but like. It also affects the future of trans people if J.K. Rowling continues to be a very famous, very vocal turf, you yeah. know, and like have a have continue to have a platform and like continue to be able to publish her books with major publishers and like all of that. So, yeah, um, yeah, I agree. And I cannot stress enough how much I hate Ron DeSantis. Right. I hate that guy. He's he's an awful piece of shit. Ron DeSantis, if you're listening, eat a bag of dicks. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Got him. Got him. Uh, another game got a big dev update, and it was Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk 2077, baby. Yeah, so we got yes. an update now, which ties mm-hmm. in with the anime, uh, Cyberpunk yes. Edge Runners. The Edge Runners update. The Edge Runners adds... update. And what does that have? It's got a bunch of quality of life stuff. It's got like new guns, new gigs, new other weapons. It removes. Um, so until now, like a common criticism of that game when it launched was that like it seemed like it was really playing up fashion by giving you all these like very sort of ridiculous looking clothes and like cyberpunk in general has played up like fashion and like you know, a big part of like how cybernetics fit in is like people changing their appearances and stuff like that. But in Cyberpunk 2077, your stats were tied to specific clothes. Yeah, so you would just wear whatever gave you the best stats and look like a fucking idiot all the time. Right, and this update divorces those two things. So you can have the stats of your best piece of armor assigned to a different uh, piece of clothing basically nice. so you can just think about it in terms of fashion and i have to worry about it in terms of stats so that's cool um they added um more tools for like sculpting your character's face so you can get like more hands-on with the you know character creation tools and change how your character looks mm. 
There's some other stuff too. Um, they added, yeah, like the, like I said, they added some gigs. They added a quest that ties into Edge Runners. And um, I feel like there was something else. Oh, Roach Race, which Roach is race. like a ro- Roach. Oh, Roach. Roach, Roach, Roach race. race. Oh, I yeah, think it's Ray Trace. Yes, I think it had it had Ray Tracing from launch, but this is Roach okay. Race, which adds Roach, Geralt's trusty steed from the Witcher series, That's in like right. a a um, endless runner that you can play arcade machines throughout Night City and gotcha. also on your phone. Neat. Yeah, yeah, super cool. And but the big thing was that. Um, Phantom Liberty is the name of the expansion that is coming out for this game next year. It is the first big expansion for this game, and it turns out that it's going to be the only expansion for the game, which is pretty disappointing. Mm. Because in, you know, prior to the release of the game, um, I forget who, somebody from CD Projekt Red had said on like a call with shareholders that the game will get at least as much DLC as The Witcher 3. And so I think... three expansions, right? Two... Well, I had had lots of DLC and then two big expansions. Hearts of Stone and Blood and Wine were the expansions for that. And um, Cyberpunk also had a planned multiplayer mode that it sounds like may not be happening anymore. So... Yeah. So it just is like a... I mean, they have spent so much time getting the game into a place where it just works. Yeah, that I think it has eaten up too much time that they would have spent on that, and they're eager to move on to like the next Witcher and like getting the next Cyberpunk ready as well. Right. Uh, but it's a do bummer you think because... that there's a there's another Cyberpunk after this one? I think so. Yeah, I feel like th- I feel like like as much as this game got a lot of crap, it also was extremely successful. Like, I think there were a million concurrent players on Steam the night that it released, and like. Most of those people, I would guess, probably didn't refund the game because it worked pretty decently on PC. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, uh, I think they go to The Witcher next. So I think it'll right. be a while before we see a cyberpunk game, but I think they will make another one. Okay. I uh, think that just is like, it is easy. I mean, that like gives the studio something to do. Like if you are somebody who is like, you know, a... It's it's good for a studio to have that sort of two game model sure. because while it's in you know post production or like late production, like writers and artists can be working on pre production for the next game. And so uh, yeah, so that's what I'm hoping that they do, especially because it sounds like this game is not ever going to be what players had expected it to be, and I'm including myself yeah. in that because I had really expected. It to be more than it was. I mean, I have brought this up multiple times, but the lack of interiors is really a thing that bothered me about it because yeah. it is this huge, impressive to look at city, but then every door is locked unless it's associated with a quest, which is frustrating because it feels like it's not a game that you can really explore. You know, you yeah. can look at it, but you can't really, you can't go into the city and, you know, so that is disappointing and it's, if they're just doing one expansion, I don't think that's something that they'll be able to fix over with just one expansion. So, um, but I mean, they're doing other stuff. They're getting it to a better place. And um, I am I, playing it I now. Just hope, it, what were you going to say? I just hope, I guess that this is a humbling experience for CD Projekt Red, right? That Yeah. 
that they're have reevaluated how their timelines and how they do development. And it sounds like they probably have. I'm mm-hmm. with you that I don't think that they sort of like quietly push it under the rug at this point. Cause like, well, like even the anime, right? Like they're invested yeah. in this franchise, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think they can also do smaller stuff, you know, like the Witcher has had smaller games in that universe, like yeah. Throne Breakers, the Witcher Tales and like the Gwent spinoff. Mm-hmm. So I think there is definitely the possibility that they do something similar with cyberpunk, like with the vampire, the masquerade, um, license there have been a ton of text-based and Mm -hmm. like visual novel games in that universe like while we're waiting for the next big game i think they could do something similar to that i mean cd project is a big studio and i think while they're you know making the witcher 4 they could also put out you know smaller games to sort of keep the cyberpunk brand alive in the meantime I don't know. I would like to see more. It's a game that I like, but have never been able to love. And I would like to see them take another crack at that universe. Yeah, definitely will be a while. That's for sure. Uh, Okay. That's good. I think that we should call them boys and talk about Doug games. What do you think? Let's do it. There's some good games and I want to talk about it with some good boys. That's right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we've got Splatoon 3. We've got Steel Rising and we've got Gloomwood. Gloomwood! I'm feeling gloomy. Me too, baby. We'll be right back. We're back for the game. Game. Was that annoying? Games. No, I like that. That's a good uh, way to start. Not if games. we all do it. Uh, three games, or maybe more. You never know with us. Where should we start? <laughs> Who wants to go first? Oh, you know I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. So, we, I, me and Jade talked about the Splatfest world premiere last week. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and we had fun in the consensus among the two of us, which is a consensus in a way, <laughs> uh, was that it was good old Splatoon. Might as well have been Splatoon 2 with two new weapons. You, yep. George, you reviewed the game. That that, that could have been my review. That <laughs> Splatoon 2 with two new weapons? Yep. Fuck's sakes, man. It's... Right, to, to be less cheeky about it. Yeah. That, I mean, that is true, but... The real differences are the sort of things that only Splatoon fans will know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's little things like being able to change loadouts after a match, um, having loadouts at all. That's new. Like, you can assign stuff right. to one specific gear slot. Um, the training the room's much job. bigger. Oh, the squid thing you can, like, the do backwards. Squid launch, yeah. Yeah, that's mm. good as well. Um, There's one, there one, like, really big one that was like, oh my god, this changes everything. Ah, newscast. The fact you don't have to listen through Skipping that anymore—that's a lifesaver. It is, but also we're talking about a sixty-dollar game, yeah, for like, for like a patch that takes out the the news, like lets you skip the news thing. Like, yeah, oh, if, if FIFA can do it, so can Splatoon. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I if think... Splatoon was an annual release, I think that would be mm. a different thing. Mm. I think the thing is, when I was writing the review, Eric, I was talking to you a little bit about it. And mm-hmm. your feature about 
how Nintendo isn't good enough for Splatoon. Like Splatoon is better than that and deserves right. more. It rang so true um, because of how great Splatoon is, right? Just playing it is fantastic. It, it gets away with a lot of like outdated online mechanics and not changing a lot because just playing it is so good. Um, I had zero, like when I was just playing the multiplayer or when I was playing for the single player, I was like, this, this just makes me happy. This is awesome. This is unique. It's the best thing Nintendo has ever yeah, there's nothing like done it. with multiplayer. But then you sort of step back and you go, why am I playing through two maps every two hours in right. mm-hmm. two minute matches? Why have right. I just had the same map five times in a row? Why is that mm. okay in 2022? Right. Uh, that was my biggest problem overall. <clears throat> the fact it hadn't changed much. Y- you know, Splatoon 2 didn't change too much. I mean, the dualies were a bigger change than the bow and arrow thing, I guess, but I wasn't the expecting. Are good. Yeah, the dualies are good. And I, I hate the two new weapons. They're not good at mm. all. They're yeah, just... I want to like them, but... No. It's like, no. why would you take a the Octo Brush and then remove the ability to cover ground with it? Like, you're just... You're just it choosing makes me thing. feel like they're like they were really running out of ideas. But yeah. the the like supers or whatever, the new vaults yeah. are good. They're they're the biggest thing I think that has changed overall. If you if you don't count quality of life stuff, which I do, I think it does make a significant difference to making a Splatoon easier to play. But if you're moving past that and you're looking at, you know, what's new, maps don't really feel that new. They just kind of feel like Splatoon maps. But the specials are like the best the series has ever seen. There's the one right. where the reef slider, where you can just like Akira slide on this dolphin into a crowd and just like blow up. Yeah, so good. Explodes, yeah. So overpowered. Uh, there's like a mech that you can jump into and it's just like a combat war zone controlling awesome Crab tank mech. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then that sounds like really assault focus, but then there's one that's the, I think it's called the Tacticaler. Which drops mm-hmm. little like energy drinks that give buffs, and that's really cool because that's that's cute. Yeah, like that supports like a a supporting role. There's um, a cool combo you can do if one person has the like force field, and then you drop the tactic coolers inside of it. That's so everybody can run in and grab them. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I'm excited to see how the how the state of the game changes to with people figuring stuff out like doing that. But I don't know, man. I just and now it's like I'm happiest for Splatoon content creators right now, you know, because mm. like they have new tech to to make videos about. But like for the rest of us, it's just like, yeah, it's the same thing as the last game. We're going to play it for a few weeks and maybe on the weekends, like jump into a Splatfest. And that's all Nintendo wants from us. But the game could the game could have all of my time if it was. If on it, any other if console, it had a different meta, yeah. Like yeah. if it had, if it had battle passes, if it had updates, if it was like a modern game, like mm. I I know that there's like, um, I guess like a nostalgia. Like people are like happy. Some people are happy that it doesn't have battle passes, that it doesn't have mm. frequent updates. But I think that those people are just playing super casually and like you know, not, uh, not investing their time into the game. And it's a, it's a disservice to, to everybody that would have, that mm. would treat this like a Fortnite. I'm more sour about it in this sort of like post review period, because you all know what Nintendo, like the online testing for it during the review period was just so limited. 
Like mm-hmm. at max, you could maybe get like six hours out of it, which is still quite a lot of content. But for something that's so multiplayer focused, like they should have just left the servers on. I would have been much more happy and positive overall. I don't think my score would change because I, I think I settled on that pretty fairly. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be slightly down on it because the single player is just just a splatoon campaign like it's good it's fun little mm-hmm. short levels are like little puzzles that teach you how to use weapons and you got a little stuff. fish boy that you can throw around like yeah but it's just like a he's like a grenade that just distracts enemies a bit like it's they they really big that up like oh small fry you're gonna love him it's like yeah he's cute but it's not like a it's not like a big deal it's a pretty simple new mechanic yeah, yeah. you can just throw this guy at like little those little Roomba bots, and it'll distract them from yeah. cleaning up your paint. It's like after Octo expansion, which was maybe too hard, maybe a little bit too. It brutal. was really hard. Yeah, yeah, nothing like that here. Like there are some challenges that are like slightly, slightly hard, but like there's nothing, nothing mm-hmm. like Octo expansion. Um, and I just hope they don't go and do their best work for the DLC. That'll really piss me off. Like I'd much rather they'd just gone really ham on this campaign because it's supposed to be like the epic finale to the trilogy and it does end really well there's like the last hours like remind me of kirby and the forgotten land like it was like oh this is this is really cool Mm. like this actually feels emotional and epic in a way i didn't think nintendo could like do something like splatoon but it does it does feel great um i just came away from it like okay that was that Mm -hmm. which sounds like i'm really underselling it because it's like like i said splatoon just playing splatoon is fantastic i still think it's the best thing nintendo's ever done it's my favorite series from them like bar none it's just it doesn't feel quite deserving of like the massive free next to its name and it doesn't feel like the next big thing uh and that's that's not going to change because they've promised two years of support for it then they're going to fucking kill it and we'll have to wait till whatever they do next for it and that just makes me sad still play it though (laughs) definitely still uh, play it it's great (laughs) is salmon run still on that weird rotation no it's 24 hours now but it is also still salmon run so that's my thing i like salmon run i think salmon run's cool i was so confused in news ads like in slack when george would be like i'm going on a salmon run I just thought, like, oh, this dude fucking loves salmon. Like, he's <laughs> getting more salmon to eat. No, um, it's this. He, it's, he was reviewing the game. Yeah. It's this horde mode that they introduced in Splatoon 2. But it's fun. But I don't know. I, I've never, I've never enjoyed it as much as some people have. I think it depends mm. on the team you get. And in the past, sure. the team I've got has been a bunch of idiots <laughs> shooting at nothing and not healing you and not, you know, helping out when needed, not going for the eggs. Uh, right. It is better now because you can you can chuck the golden eggs when you have them and have some ink left. So that makes it a bit faster paced, and the super bosses are cool. But like I I won't be touching it at all. Like unless someone specifically says, "Please, can we do salmon run?" Won't mm. be what I go for. And then but if, if you take if it had rewards, if it had progression, I bet it, it, it has its own progression. But it's like the stuff it's offering is like for salmon run. It's like, oh, right, a right, cool right. new outfit for Salmon Run. I'm like, I don't want that. That's right. fine. I won't do that. And when you look at it overall, it's like, there's no massive new mode. Single player is good, but it is just more the same. The mm-hmm. two new weapons aren't like great. Maybe I'll get more use to them. The maps aren't anything special. Like They're not bad, but they're nothing like major. You are relying a lot on how good Splatoon is. Um, 
so I can see why some of the reviews were very much like a little less positive on it. Thankfully, like I, I do love Splatoon, so I was happy. I was still happy with doing more of the same, but I don't yep. know, man. Just the smallest of quality of life updates and two weapons that aren't very good. Sixty dollars, please. Yeah. Oh, it's like too bad. 40, I think maybe it's too bad to talk about Splatoon like it sucks because it doesn't. It's a great game, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. The things that suck about Nintendo are also the things that make Nintendo good in a lot of ways. Like, it would obviously be better in this case if they were smarter and better at like managing their online stuff, but also like their conservativeness in that regard keeps them from doing a lot of stupid bullshit too. You know, like when other companies are like jumping into NFTs and, and Nintendo is like, what is that? You know, like <laughs> their reaction to like culture, like trends like that is like usually indifference, which is nice. You know, mm-hmm. like that keeps Sounds them like from somebody doing who a... never played Mario Kart Tour. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I did not play Mario Fiesta. Kart Tour. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true that they have, like, examples that you can point to, especially with their mobile game where they've done, like, aggressive monetization like that, but it is Mm -hmm. much less common with them than it is with most other gaming companies. So that is nice. I mean, it's not an excuse for, like, when they do do an online service game it not being what it needs to be, you know? Mm -hmm. But it does keep them to a pretty traditional model where it's like they're you know like of all the publishers this year they're the ones they're the ones that have put out the most like traditional single player $60 games which as like somebody who wants that kind of game I'm happy that they're doing that you know I instead I, of yeah, like pivoting I, I everything to free I to play I agree, but it like is it not the case that the most consistent criticism of every game Nintendo releases is like I can't believe they're charging $60 for this yeah, yeah. I especially mean, Mario Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Mario Party, all the sports yeah. games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, I mean, like, especially so when they're bones. like, when they take a lot of, you know, like the Switch. I think that criticism is especially fair on the Switch because they have just taken stuff that was already on the Wii U and instead of making it available through any sort of like digital storefront the way Xbox mm-hmm. has or PlayStation has, they're just repackaging it with a little bit of extra content and selling it for full price, which obviously sucks. Mm-hmm. Like they do a lot of Nintendo does a lot of stuff that sucks. I don't want this to sound like Nintendo apolo- like apologia because I don't feel that way about them. <laughs> like they do a ton of sh- stuff that really sucks. Yeah. But I think them being like, like very, um, ignorant when it comes to like what is going on you know like nintendo is not doing how do you do fellow kids they are not caring like what the trends are which i think is good it just like when they put out a game that is trend adjacent like a you know multiplayer shooter right then they are running into their own weaknesses which i think stands out more than it does when they're putting out something like you know xenoblade chronicles 3 which is just a big ass traditional jrpg you know yeah it, Definitely it's, a double-edged sword. It feels... They, they still have made improvements. Like I say, there is a lot of quality of life stuff that if you've played a lot of Splatoon, you'll go, oh, nice, that saves me five minutes, that saves me a bit of time. But the map thing, like I say, is just... 
like in 2022 ridiculous i was looking at the mm. they have a schedule i pause the menu and you look up it's like oh this time you can play these maps i'm like i don't want to be told when i can play these mm-hmm. maps Just put them like, all in rotation it's crazy yeah, it's mm-hmm. there's not even that many maps to like have yeah. that as an excuse like in the original game, i don't sure, get it but it's ridiculous just put all the maps on rotation like every other game mm. mm-hmm. so weird i think also the fact that they are like splatoon is not a forever game and not a season not like a yearly release but a secret third thing you know like right. that is their right. release model where it's like they're not going to support it forever and they're not going to put out a new one. They're just going to kill this after two years. That's the thing that really like feels like it just sucks the life out of this before it even has a chance to get started is like the knowledge that like, I can't just plan to keep playing this game with my friends. I'm going to have to find something new eventually. Like for me, that's like, okay, maybe I just won't try because like, it's not going to, I, think I mean, like, I'm not a that. big multiplayer gamer to begin with, so, like, there's very little chance that I was going to become a big Splatoon 3 head, but, like, <laughs> there also is less incentive for a people that are going to... Excuse me, a Splatsman. <laughs> yes, I'm not going to become, like, a, a Splatsman, a, a squid head, whatever, whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... I mean... I... I wish that more of the industry operated like Nintendo in some ways. However, mm-hmm. it doesn't. And my brain chemistry is different now. And I require a drip feed of content from my right. video games. Like I need a battle pass and I need rewards and I need an incentive to play beyond play itself. I need externalities. That's I just did actually forget to mention what happened. Yeah. There is mm-hmm. the catalog. I, I'm still kind of confused about how it works because it just kind of pops up and i think the fact that i had limited multiplayer access means i can't actually really mess with it but the catalog seems to give you items based on progression within a season so like it's not a battle pass and you're not paying for it but the impression i got was that sort of their equivalent i i have no idea because like i say when you get two hours on one day to play multiplayer you don't really get to mess around much so hopefully tomorrow we'll find out but mm-hmm. there you go eric there's your there's your numbies all right. I, oh, I, go up. I fucking hate the way modern shooters are with the constant drip feed of things because it's like it just forces you into like you can play this one multiplayer game for like the next five years. Like that's it. You can't get into any others because oh, yeah. you're not going to have time to like do their battle passes and do their progression. Like I just, mm. this is very old man yells at the cloud. But, like, there's a reason Modern Warfare 2 was, like, my most played game. Well, A, I was young and had way more Yeah, time you were 10 years old. That's why. But I wasn't that young. <laughs> but also, I liked the feeling of just, like, you know, here's the game. Here's, like, you know, you can level up and unlock new weapons. You can, like, use those weapons to get more attachments and skins. And then if you do that, you can do it all over again with the prestige thing. So it's, like, you can either do that once and you're done. And you're just, like, I have all the stuff now. I can either play another game or, like as was the case when we were teenagers, it was like, no, I'm going to keep playing Halo, or I'm going to keep playing COD with my mates, or Battlefield, whatever it was for you. Um, right, but now, a new oh, COD came out every year. That's the difference. True, it's, guess, but... it's fine to just play a game and finish it when you know another one's... Like, it's the same thing as a Battle Pass. It's just a different timeline. Yeah, but I guess with Splatoon, it's like, there'll be another game to play. It might not be Splatoon, but it's like, okay, but like, find your next thing to play. You don't have to play that what like the 
one series like again and again and again. But if you mm-hmm. want to just play Splatoon, you don't get rewarded for it. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, it's, and also I, if they I sunset it, of itself is a reward for it. If they sunset it in two years, say say Splatoon three changes your life and you need it and it's the best thing you ever had in two mm-hmm. years, you know. If, That's going to be tough. If Splatoon 3 changes your life and you need it and it's the best thing you ever had, <laughs> there's some serious shit you need to sort out. Splatoon's <laughs> pretty good, man. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk right. about it anymore. Let's move on, Izzy. Let's, we're going to dunk on your game next. So, oh, I'm going to dunk on my game so hard. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Let's go. So, uh, I've been playing Steel Rising, which, and to be fair to the publishers, they, they gave me a really nice long lead time with it, which I've still missed the embargo for because I was at Gamescom for a week. Um, and was then ill for like four days. Save, save us the behind the scenes. Yeah, basically. What's the game? It's a Souls-like set during the French Revolution, but instead of it just being um, the working class peasants against the monarchy, it is the working class peasants against the monarchy's army of clock soldiers. Or clock Sold. Soldiers, as you will. Yeah, I'm into it. This is spiders, isn't it? Spiders, yeah. What else has Spiders mm. done? They did Greedfall. That was their most recent game. Uh, I never actually played Greedfall. Greedfall was French Revolution, right? It was uh, okay, so they, it was they, like they, a was dragon's, like... <laughs> dragon's Age. Yes, it was like imagine. It was like fantasy, but with like muskets and colonization and stuff. It I was didn't really play cool. It. I just, that's what I heard from hearing people talk about it. It, it, it was kind of a d- Dragon's Dogma style, but Ooh. like fantasy history kind of thing yeah i've heard like, i heard it's good yeah are they like they're like double a aren't they yeah mm-hmm. sure like, yeah um so yeah this now that that elevator pitch is great and that's uh-huh. why i was so excited for the game and there's moments of gameplay where you get into this state of flow and the combat really shines and you string together this flurry of moves because you play as aegis who's this um clockwork who's one of the clockwork automats they're called um, who's in service of the Queen, uh, Marie Antoinette, which I don't love. I don't love being a royalist. Um, mm-hmm. mm. Yeah, you thought we weren't going to mention the Queen? This game is all about the <laughs> 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 Yeah, I don't, uh, as, as the Slack will have seen today, I'm not a big fan of monarchy. So mm. I don't necessarily love that plot point. But I thought, you know, the game could do some interesting stuff with it. But yeah, it's all about the King has set loose this army of automats on the, on the common folk. And you're, you work only for the queen, and you're. I, I don't super know what I'm actually doing. Like, you're sort of trying to find you're out killing what's robots. going on. Like, yeah, you're killing robots, is, is what you're doing. You're killing automats, you're killing clockwork soldiers. Um, one of the best things about the game, and the way they kind of reinvent the typical souls like formula of like having a stamina bar, is you've got the stamina bar, but once it, uh, once it depletes, if you time pressing uh, triangle correctly, you can you do like a cooldown, and you sort of like it's like because you're a machine, so you kind of like flush your system, oh, that's cool. and you get like the better you time it, the more stamina you get back. This also inflicts hmm. like a chill. Like Neo, it's like a Gears of War reload. Neo yeah, has it as well. Exactly you can like, like a Gears of War reload. Neo has the same sort of thing where if you're in the middle of a combo and you like press R one, you like release key and you're get it to recharge a bit if oh, i remember cool. oh, okay they stole it from Neo. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, yeah so maybe they didn't completely reinvent it but it's a nice addition um it's a nice touch and yeah that like it but it input it it puts like a status affliction on you so like if you're fighting frost enemies 
and you're like cooling yourself off, you can just get frozen in the middle of combat. So you kind of have to like um... keep a few things in mind. So mm-hmm. it's stuff like that, you know, like you'll be doing this like wicked sick combo, dancing around these opponents, like slashing at them, like oil and fucking bits of machinery are flying off everywhere. And then all of a sudden you're just frozen stuck and, like, ah, and you have to like button mash to get out of it. So that kind of thing, that moment to moment gameplay can be really, really fun and intensely exciting. But it just, the rest of the game isn't like there enough yet. Like it's very buggy. Um, I'm playing it on PS5, and I've had a lot of bugs, like audio bugs, where dialogue just like the first half of a dialogue cue just won't play, like absolute silence. Um, there was a section in the game where like my footsteps just and like all the ambient noise just went dead. Uh, in cutscenes, often my character would just be there, like kind of vibrating like this, mm. and like after a cutscene, it will be like. You know, like sometimes when you come out of a cutscene and everyone's like T posing, mm-hmm. it's almost like that. Where like I'll come out of a cutscene and Aegis will just like drop from the middle of the room. <laughs> so it's 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 a lot of jank like that that makes like it makes the story experience a lot more difficult to get into. And then there's also the issue of every single character is just an old white man in a white curly wig. So like I can I don't know who these people are. Like they're saying names, but like. <laughs> That they all look identical. And this isn't just me being like, oh, all white people look the same. Like these, they genuinely, they're all middle-aged, like aristocrats, all look the same. There's one black character and you can just straight up ask him, what do you think about being a black person in France in this day and age? Like it's, it's wild. It's so mm-hmm. strange. It's like, part of me was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like you, you, you probably would want to know. Is he like, how do you feel about being a fucking talking robot? No, no, not really. Um, But yeah, he's like doing this whole fight to like free slaves, but then you find out he owns a plantation himself. And a lot of the other white Mm. people get really like, oh, well, you have slaves, like you benefit from slavery. You know, the only reason you're not a slave is because you're rich. So it all just feels a bit like weird. And yeah, I just, the story's not gripping me. Like the, and the setting, you know, like Paris um, of that era, it, to me, it just feels like Assassin's Creed Unity has done Paris brilliantly. And mm. this, it feels like what Bloodborne did to London, this is trying to do with Paris. Uh-huh. But right. because it, without that sort of like cosmic horror element, without that like, that that thing you can't quite grasp, like that, that sense of mystery and intrigue that you can't understand, it's like, it's robots. We know what robots are. Like it's, it's not very... It doesn't pull you in as much as something like Bloodborne does, where it's like, yeah, okay, this world is like kind of cool and kind of pretty, but I'm like, at the end of the day, this is just Paris. Like, I don't, I don't care that much about it. Like, there's not, apart from like soldiers being replaced with robots, what, what's different here? And the answer is like nothing. Hmm. Um, the levels are, um, like. St- they trick you into thinking the levels are kind of like semi semi open world, like semi sandbox, and like have all these interconnected paths. And like I'd say half the levels do that quite well, where you know, like in like in Metroidvanias and Souls likes, you you like unlock new abilities and you create new paths and you create new shortcuts. Like I'd say half the levels are like that, and then half the levels are just circuits, where literally mm. if you if you realize oh shit I forgot something back there you have to just go back to the start and then go round again. Oh, jeez. And get the thing. And it's like, yeah. it's like, come on, why, why am I doing this? Like, why am I, I think there's one level that's in, um, it's set like by the Louvre. 
and yeah you literally have to go like through the gardens around the thing like then through part of the museum and it's like you can't just go back the way you came you have to just i think you actually sorry you can go back the way you came but that's it it's like you either go back or you go forward there's no like crisscrossing over it okay so yeah the first level and a couple of the levels thereafter did feel like that kind of like central yarn and vibe of like oh this is so cool like i'm unlocking all these shortcuts oh shit i remember that alley and then the other half is just like okay this is just like a slog for me to like get through these enemies get to the boss get the quest item talk to this other old white dude about whatever the fuck i need to do next and just yeah wow playing this game it sounds like you are Kiki Palmer in that video being shown a picture of Dick Cheney and being like, apologies <laughs> to this man. I don't, I don't know who he is. That just sounds like how you're reacting to every character in it. I am. Cause yeah. And I mean, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a like supernatural element to it all as well. Uh, do, do, any, do any of you care about spoilers for this game? Not, no. Okay. Yeah, cool. So spoiler alert. Um, the, the really big automats, the Titans, they're, they're being controlled by like the the life essence, the anima essence, as the game calls it, of some of these old white men who are like trapped in these weird like machines. It's all very sort of like Tesla punk style of like you know machinery. Um, Tesla punk is a term I learned at Gamescom, and I'm going to keep using it because I love it. <laughs> I don't like um, it. I don't like it. I love it so much. It's, it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, like I got. I got through like a fair. Well, I actually have no idea how far through the main story I am. I've been plugging away at it, yeah. but suddenly I'd unlocked this like base of operations for this like rebellion, and the game was just like have some side quests. Like there'd been side quests scattered throughout, and they were like fun enough, you know, like there's more combat, like you get more items and shit. But this was just like all of a sudden, every single person you talked to was like, "Oh, hey, by the way, can you go over here and do this? Oh, and can you go over here and do this? Oh, and by the way, can can you go back there and do that?" And it just—it's all very overwhelming. But suddenly, we're talking about Nicholas Flamel and the Philosopher's Stone, mm. and I'm just like, it—it's it, just—it's a lot. Like, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. very focused. It feels like a lot of really interesting ideas. Um, and again, like I said, when the game, when all those pieces come together and it works, it really fucking works. It just doesn't come together enough. Mm. But like the items are streamlined. There's not too many items. It's just like various types of grenades and various types of like resistance potions. So you're encouraged to like use your items very regularly. Um, all your combat abilities are really good. The weapon variety is actually quite solid. Um, I've just picked a weapon I like and stuck with it. Like I've tried a few of the others, but none of them have like gelled with me as much. So I'm currently just wielding like it's like a falchion and a saber so it's like these dual swords so i'm really like doing the bloodborne thing of like attack dodge attack dodge like shoot with gun to freeze someone um Mm. so yeah all that stuff like is really really fun it's just buried under this like weirdness that like yeah i can't really yeah a lot of this criticism does sound really similar to greedfall kind of just like big ideas a little too ambitious for their budget and just uh, a little bit janky and doesn't really come together. Right. It sounds like the the like NASCAR levels you're describing where you have to go around the track to <laughs> yeah. get back to the beginning. That seems That's like cool. something that would have resulted of them like having like, you know, resource or budget limitations that are like because it seems like like that doesn't seem like a choice you would make 
because it's the way you want the game to be. It seems like it would result from them not having the resources to make every level as interconnected as, like you're saying, the good levels are, you know? Hmm. I mean, even with those levels, I feel like there's clearly an intention that it's going to interconnect at some point because, like, there's gates that are locked, and I'm like, I I should be able to get to the other side of that gate, Mm -hmm. but I just can't yet. And so, Mm. yeah, like, I know in Metroidvanias you go back to areas and you unlock them more, but it's just it still means in those like slightly earlier stages, it's just frustrating when you're like, mm-hmm. I still just have to, it, like, it's a slog. Like, and I think a part of it is the whole like reviewer thing as well of like, you know, you need, you know, you're just like, okay, I've just done my work day. Now I have to play this game to get through it. But even if I was just playing this casually, like it, yeah, there's just certain gauntlets where I'm just like, this just isn't, this Bit just isn't that fun. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. just, I'm just marching on. It's uh, it'll be really interesting to see what, Elden Ring does to the Souls-like, because mm. a lot of stuff already felt like a Dark Souls copy, but now it's a copy of the old style mm. of mm-hmm. Dark Souls. Like, it's even more off, off-brand. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll yeah. see what and... From Software does next, because if From Software keeps going with, like, the really open-world route, then obviously that will be like a full everyone else have to catch up yeah but if from software go back to like the dark souls and bloodborne and Sekiro style stuff then who knows i'm interested to see if from software making an open world game has the kind of effect on the rest of the industry that um their earlier games have like whether like developers that make open world games are going to pick up on some of the stuff that Elden Ring does and like implement it like it doesn't seem like a very natural fit but like Ubisoft put their spin on like Breath of the Wild with Immortals Phoenix Rising and I'm wondering if they'll try and do something similar with Elden Ring the main thing I would be interesting take from Elden Ring is just not crowding a map with like markers and points of interest yeah. I think just that that letting building a world that players want to discover rather than building a checklist that players have to tick off is that's mm-hmm. the the big that was the biggest um improvement I saw with that because it, it was like Breath of the Wild in that sense where it's like you know you you can go to all these places if you want yeah yeah like, that's what I'm that's part of what I'm finding good enough to do that that's part of what I'm wondering is like what like I feel like if Breath of the Wild was such like a I mean, it was a big hit with gamers, too, but it was also just, like, like developers. If you heard developers talk about it, it was like, wow, this is, like, a revelation. And I'm wondering what they will take away from Elden Ring that is different. Like, because as you're saying, like, Breath of the Wild had a similar approach to, like, not being a checklist. Just, like, making a world that, like, through the use of, like, you know, sight lines and weenies you know like (laughs) stuff in the distance that you see that you want to go to i feel awkward using the word weenies if people don't know what it means but that's the idea is that it's like Mm -hmm. a a point in the distance that you want to you see from far away and go to use it that's what i mean if i say weenies weenies. look bigger close up weenies right yeah big (laughs) strapping uh does have a battle pass What's still rising? As far as I can tell, no, I think it's complete. Then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I, I, yeah, I, I want to really enjoy it. I do, and it's yeah, it's it's just a shame that those those great moments are overshadowed by just this this sense of yeah, not quite 
it just doesn't it just doesn't come together often enough to be great it's b movie um, yeah mm-hmm. also i had a bug that like tripped me up so badly i had to actually get james kennedy like one of our guides writers uh, one of our guides editors to um to literally put a video together for me to show me where to go because oh, a mass marker there's a compass so even the exploration like feels kind of forced well not forced but like doesn't there's no point to it really because again the levels are relatively linear um and there's a compass that just like puts a map mark down like here go here then go here so it kind of like just checkpoints you um which is handy like you know especially as a reviewer it's really handy being told okay just follow this and you can get there like i like having the option to turn it on and off which you do have in the game so it's perfect Mm -hmm. but i was like i'll go to this convent right and i get into a room the map mark is in the room the map marker doesn't disappear and like spawn further on it just stays in the room and I, I left the area, came back, quit the game, loaded back in, did other quests, did everything. This map marker was just like, fuck you, I'm, I'm staying here. It was very clearly not where I needed to be. And James had to like, yeah, show me a video of where to go. And it, and like eventually I managed to do it. And I did and got to the place and then the map marker updated. But like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's like, it was a, where I had to go was really weird. It was like, I had to jump up onto some ledge and then jump across to another ledge so it, it was very unintuitive and it was very far away from where this map marker was as well so it was like i i was ready to just call it quits and be like look the, the game is bugged like i i cannot finish this i cannot progress anymore um so it's, it's that, so it's, funny how we can get locked onto map markers because they're off they're so reliable generally that we yeah. turn into like moths of the flame to them like i <laughs> I find myself just like walking that old fucking wall if there's a map marker behind me. I'm going through this wall. I'm going to get there somehow. And and that was another thing. In in a, there was a side quest and it was like, I had a key in my inventory, right? It was like the key to the Vokanson, which the name I'm probably butchering, the key to the Vokanson residence, uh, like the key to the gate to the Vokanson residence. So I go to where the side quest is. I get to a gate, the map marker on the gate, go to the Vokanson residence. So I'm like, cool. I'm here. I'm at the gate. I have a key. Can't open the gate. So I was like, okay, cool. Another quest that's bugged. When I eventually managed to do the, the quest that James helped me with, that then unlocked that gate. And it was like, okay, no, that wasn't actually the gate. That was just like a pre-gate. Mm. But the fact the game didn't have some sort of uh, like quest markers in place to just be like, you can't do this yet. Uh-huh. Or like not put the marker right there. So I feel like I'm missing something. It's, it's like it, yeah. you're literally just, you are gated by the game from progressing that quest until you've done the main quest a bit more well frustrating yeah so it's, it's things like that but just yeah hold it back um yeah i would say watch the trailers and if like the vibe catches you like at least know what you're getting into because it sounds like a lot to contend with but i know that spiders has fans so yeah and if you're a big song yeah. people that's grateful like, this will, yeah. this will, like, it is, it is decent. It's got, it's, now that the game's opened up a bit more, there's definitely a lot of side quests in there. Um, so if you really love the period, if you really love the setting, if you really love Souls Likes, it, I think this will be, like, worth your time and money. It's okay. just you're going to have to put up with some jank. Well, speaking of interconnected levels, mm. uh, Andrew and I have been playing Gloomwood. Yeah, and it rules. Uh, it rules, good. and I'm excited to talk about it because you can't talk mm-hmm. about Gloomwood without talking about Arx Fatalis. Am I right? Am I right, it, fellas? 
If you insist, I never played that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would go as far as to say that uh, Gloomwood is a spiritual sequel to Arx Fatalis, a game that almost no one has played. That's but an me, early arcane, right? Yes, an early arcane that is, game. Yeah. That is the second arcane game after they did Dark whatever. Messiah, Dark Messiah. Yes. Um, okay, go ahead and um, go ahead and lay out Gloomwood for us. Sure. So Gloomwood is, as Eric said, inspired by games like the kinds of games that Arcane uh, makes. I think for like, if you're familiar with the Thief th- series at all, that is like the obvious reference point. It has a lot in oh, common. Yeah. With, it, this is like, Thief with Swords, right? That's how I keep hearing it. Thief, thief with, with Guns is what I think. Uh, that's the, it. Thief the, with Guns. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That's their that's website. Fun. Um, so yeah, it starts out with you, you are a character called the outsider who we don't know a ton about, but you like, as the game starts are in a prison cell and then you get out and you're trying to escape from this like prison that is built into like a fishery. And then the fishery is part of this larger, like contiguous world that's, um, occupied like exclusively by these guards that are you know patrolling the huntsmen the huntsmen and they're they're creepy they'll you know they'll like they have these really growly whispers so like if they you know think they see you they'll be like what's that over there must have been nothing (laughs) and then go back to patrolling but wait wait no they all say the same thing that's not it what do they uh, say what did i do do they say it's like do my eyes deceive me or something? That's one of them, yeah. It, or it, yeah, do my eyes deceive me? And then if they hear you, they'll say, do my ears deceive me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, it's yeah. It's old were, school. They were, yeah. It's, yeah, it feels like a 90s game, like on purpose. Yeah. Right. And it looks it like is, one. Yeah, it's published by New Blood Interactive, who also put out Dusk and A Medieval and Ultra Kill, which are these, you know, Un, you know, I, they're not like in a series or anything, but they're all 90s, early 2000s throwback first person yeah. shooters. And this is from in the same, you know, kind of deal where its graphics look like it could have come from like 1999. And like, right, the UI is very nice. And like, you know, like the map, the maps that you find in games are more detailed and better looking than they would have been in a game from 1999. But like, in general, it looks like it, you could, you know, you could have played it you know back in yeah. the half-life era and there's some modern ideas too like like you can lean left and right you know to like look around corners right mm-hmm. but if you lean next to a door you can listen through the door Ooh, that's cool. yeah yeah that's cool yeah so like, it layers cool. in some like new ideas to this very like classic msim experience yeah. right it's very from the thief side of things because a lot of the immersive sims did not pick up on certain thieves ideas like the idea that if you're in shadow they can't see you but if you're in bright light they can see you and if you're in like half light they may see you and may not and it picks you up have a light. ring that you wear yeah. and the brighter the ring is the more visible you are yeah i like ui elements that sort of like incorporated into the character yeah. rather than just yeah. like the yeah. hud yeah also, sorry did you say fifa with guns thief Oh, thief with guns. Okay, because before you were talking, we're not talking about soccer at all. (laughs) There's no ball. There's no goals. No. Okay. 
That's roller drone, is he? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. It's really about discovering the world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because start in a you literally start in a pit in a little (laughs) cell and then that Mm. pit is in a fishery and that fishery is on an island and that island is part of a like it just you just keep Mm. expanding your knowledge and you don't know anything about who the people are even who you are when it starts but then through all the context of the places you explore you start to put it together and you really have a lot of freedom about how you progress because nobody tells you where to go or what to do at all like the only Mm. clue you get like in the in the fishery you there's a pretty obvious note about finding like a crankshaft for an engine and it's not Mm. really clear why you even need that but it gives you a rough idea of where to get that and it's by the time you find the map to the city it's not it's nowhere near where you are like you're gonna have to like play through the whole game before you get to this crank Mm. supposedly supposedly like where this crankshaft is so to get from that point a to that point b is like okay i guess play the whole game right and um how far in are you at this point i've put in about six hours all yesterday i played three or four hours yesterday i got out of the fishery i started making my way towards the village and got and saw the mines and decided i'm gonna go through the mines Mm. uh which I think I didn't have to do necessarily, but so I, I don't know. I, if, yeah. I'm not sure if you have to or not. I also went through the mines. Yeah. So I cleared the mines. Now what stopped me, which is a very classic game issue, if you want to mm. call it an issue is that I got out of the mines and I hit the save point. It has like resident evil style save points. You have to like interact with this phonogram. Yeah. And then I like, went up the hill i cleared a little house i went into the next area and i died and then i was like oh it's been it's been 45 minutes since i (laughs) since i saw that save point (laughs) fuck me yeah (laughs) and i know i could get back there a lot faster now yeah like Mm -hmm. i know that i could like because so much of the game is sneaking around you know so much Mm -hmm. of the game is just like waiting in shadows and striking dudes in the back when you get a chance so when you do it the second time you can do it a lot faster you kind of know the pathing of the dudes but also it's not nearly as interesting doing shit again there are still like elements that even if you know what you're doing take a while like as you're going through the mines there are a bunch of like dogs that are locked up in this electric kennel which you have to turn the power off of and then go through the you know place where they're being kept and the dogs really irritated me because like i don't know at that point i also didn't have very much health and so eventually i went and backtracked and like got a you know health comes in these like green syringes that you can inject um i shot all the dogs i shot all the dogs too (laughs) yeah i i did the same thing but it took me I had to go and scavenge because I didn't have enough bullets at first. So I was having to like stab them and they will mess you up if they get close for anybody that yeah. is like a dog lover and doesn't want to kill dogs. These don't really look like dogs. They look like no, naked like rats with giant yeah. teeth. Yeah. Um, what's like the actual setting then? Other like time it, or anything like that? It's nautical punk. If we're just throwing mm-hmm. punk on the end of everything. Are, right. Yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what we're doing, Eric. We 
the things. Uh, the the huntsmen have kind of like a plague doctor vibe, I would say. Mm-hmm. They're like pretty. It's kind of Victorian, but it's very. I is nautical the right word? It's like uh, by, by the sea. By the sea, yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> fish, fish, I would call it fish fishmonger punk. Fishmonger punk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seaside punk. There yeah. it's a it's definitely cult. It's definitely some kind of like either brain parasites or like you'll find guys it, it's horror, and you'll mm-hmm. find guys that are that are just like um almost like they're possessed, just hacking at dead bodies. Just yeah. like and, you know, and there's like notes about it too. Like people just lose their minds and start chopping up dead bodies, like chop, chop, mm-hmm. chop, and like um yeah. That's I don't know. I don't know how better to describe the vibe than that. Yeah, it's I don't know if you've oh, played yeah, like, you guys reviewing it and guiding it. It's in early access. It, oh, it okay. and it was planned to come out later this month, I think, and they released it early. Or maybe it was planned to come they out a day it later one than... week. They delayed oh, okay. it by one week, yeah. Oh, okay. But it's out now. I mean, it's actually out. Yeah. Okay. So in early access. Yeah, it's in early access, and I've hit one area so far where I got like an underdevelopment banner and couldn't go in. But that has only happened to me once so far. Have you seen anything like that yet, Derek? I haven't. I haven't gotten far enough to see that. Um, Yeah. So if you like the sort of like immersive sim, I'm gonna figure out how to infiltrate this building in a specific way, like and figure it out myself. That stuff's really cool. I think the interconnectedness of it is really cool too because mm-hmm. um, the way that they build in the backtrack points, like when you get through the mine, there's a tunnel that leads to a pond that's under a well and you can climb the mm-hmm. rope up the well and uh, the well is under a house and that house is somewhere you've been before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you, yeah. So you're like, oh shit! Now I'm all the way back here. Like you, ha- they they build in really cool shortcuts around, and even in like the fishery, like it, there's they set it up really simple at first, where you're like unlocking a door that you've you've seen the other side of, yeah. mm-hmm. but then you're like able to you know break a window here so you can get back up later and yeah. stuff like that. That it's stuff's always really cool to me. The design is interesting to me because it feels sort of similar to like if in the original Half-Life, you were like always in the same facility and were like going through the same facility, but it was broken up into levels. Mm-hmm. And this is like the same thing, except unlike Half-Life, you can backtrack at any time to those earlier levels and they're on the same map that you're mm-hmm. on. So it's like it's like an interesting mix because each area that you go through feels like a separate level. Like we were talking about going through the mines and like in the theme, you zone into the mines too. There's like a loading screen when you go in. Right. Yeah. And there's loading screens between like when you get to the next area out of the mines, you go through a loading screen too. Um, But it's interesting because you can always go back if you need to get resources from an earlier area. It's not like a separate level that you're locked off from. And so that gives it this really, cool feeling that you're like you know that it's one journey basically which i'm a big fan of in games when it feels like that Um, yeah it's like if dishonored of a dishonored level was the whole game like if it was spread out to the whole whole world yeah it's interesting it feels like it splits the difference between dishonored and prey because prey was one big space station with loading Mm -hmm. screens in between them um but those individual places didn't feel like 
complete levels. And this does. Yeah. It, it feels like a complete level that is also part of a larger world, right. which is cool. It sounds like a really interesting type of game to be in early access. Like, you don't normally think of an Imsim like, being partially made, because you think there's so many interconnected systems that have to work perfectly together to, like, create an Imsim. Right, um, yeah, right. It's not yeah. the kind of thing you can, like, cobble together. So that's... It's interesting that they've done it, and by the sounds of it, done it so well. I th- Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it is sort of New Blood's model. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that they've always done. And it made it definitely made more sense for their, like... Their Doom likes. Yeah. yeah, like Dusk. You're right, because you just, like, play four or five levels, and then it's mm-hmm. over. So, yeah, you're totally right. Like, Andrew running into an area that you can't explore is, like, kind of a huge bummer. Like, you just yeah. accept the early accessness of it all. Yeah. Um, right. and it I does make know. me want to recommend that yeah. people wait. Right. I mean, I'm having such a good time with it right now that I'm, like, people should go play it because like i started playing it yesterday during a work day and like just got sucked into it for hours and ended up working until like nine o'clock last night to make up for it <laughs> um buy so, it like, now play it later yes yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I say buy it now <laughs> play it now play it again <laughs> play it again later. Later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah is it, is it um, just on pc yeah just on pc it's on steam and gog i think at least the demo is on GOG, so I'm assuming the full game is on GOG, too. Yeah, it is It is very stealth-focused. It's all mm-hmm. sound-based. Different floor types make different levels of sound. Hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the enemies will come to you. If you, like, I was on top of the fishery and I broke a window, and the dudes outside the fishery ran through the whole building and broke down the door to get into the room I was in. Mm-hmm. To get me. I like yeah. I like a stealth game that's really, really like committed to being a yes. stealth game. Yes, cool. yeah. Uh, also, I don't know if you'll love this or hate this, but the safes, of course, there's obviously there's combination safes. Mm-hmm. And if you just start flipping numbers around just to try to f- force it, it'll lock the safe permanently. Oh, I didn't realize uh... that. <laughs> it spins the dial and then the handle doesn't work. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think that is just... You shouldn't just brute force things in those kind of games. Yeah. It just feels cheap. Yeah, I entered 451 into one, and that did nothing. Which I saw them tweeting. I saw, like, Dave Oshry, I think, who's the head of New Blood, tweeting about how 451 didn't work on the safes, but I still had to try it. Right. Old habits die hard, right? Right. (laughs) That's so funny. I I was just playing the System Shock, which I... I guess I'll talk about some other time, but at PAX, I was uh, just oh, playing System nice. Shock. Remake. Yeah, mm. it, it's coming along. And yeah, obviously, the, fir- the first door in that game is 451. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need to play the original before the remake comes up, because I'm such a big Bioshock fan, but I feel like playing... I probably wouldn't, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> I'd probably just play the remake. It's close enough. Yeah. I, I want to. I just think it, like... I just... Like that and, like, Deus Ex, like, they're, like, the original... Sims, like, yeah, I just want to, yeah, mm-hmm. so. yeah. Also, my um, PC can actually run those because they're so old, right? Like, it'll be fun, mm-hmm. yeah. This is, I don't, I mean, I liked Deathloop okay, I wasn't like head over heels for it. Um, and this feels like the best, like, straight up immersive sim that I've played since probably Dithon, the you know, the um, 
the one-two punch of Dishonored, Death of the Outsider, and Prey a couple years ago. This is the best one I've played since then. There's other stuff that's like adjacent to that. Like I think Hitman is playing in a very similar space. Sure. But if if you're looking at something like it's straight up what you think of when you think of like a 90s immersive sim, this is the best thing I've played in that in at least five years, I would say. I've been seeing I've been... some... I've been seeing some people online sort of use this game as like a fucking cudgel against Arcane, and I think that's pretty whack. Yeah. Because, like, yes, Arcane is doing different things now and like is going more mainstream, but they like the the MSIM is still there, and this game wouldn't exist if Arcane hadn't done, you know, Arcs Fatalis and like been in the game so long. What's yeah. I mean, Dishonored really revived that whole. You know, interest Absolutely. in the yeah. subgenre for sure. For a whole generation of players, Dishonored is what turned them on to, you know, the immersive sim at all. Yeah. What'd you say? Is it? Were you... well, what's this called? Gl- Gloom something? Gloomwood. 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 And uh, go play Arx Fatalis. I think it's a dollar. They were given away for free before the Bethesda launcher shut down. Mm. But it's uh, it's incredible. It's all underground so it's like a fantasy world of a bunch of different races and stuff and you start in a cell you break out of your cell and it is layers that go deeper and deeper underground but the way Mm. that each and each level is a different society like a different race and culture yeah but the the way that it's all like interconnected and weaves into each other is like just incredible that that's an awesome immersive sim how does that hold up does that it's it's still still good to play it's old yeah but you you know if you like if you like gloomwood you will definitely like that they both have that sort of old yeah what'd you say z what was that one that you just mentioned it's called arcs fatalis it's yeah it's an arcane game oh um also sorry i just because i just googled gloomwood and saw a headline that pissed me off so i know you don't love me just adding punk onto the end of things Uh (laughs) i don't monger punk uh, wait, well, Fishmonger Punk, excellent. 10 out of 10, no notes. Um, <laughs> people just adding um up to things, that's the one that's mm. pissing me off recently. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. As well, have like yeah. Gloomwood Sneak Beef up. with Guns Em Up. And I'm just like, what? What? Like, like Beef with like, Guns Em Up? Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> no, that's no, something. No, no, no. You've like, gone seen, too far. Like, that's, like, I've seen a few things that are like, it's like, I think someone called something like a Snatch Em Up or like a Catch Em Up or something like that. And it's just like, stop uh-huh. this. Stop this right now. <laughs> like, I would say sneak them up. <laughs> sneak them up. Yeah. That, that actually I think, too much. Sneak them up is kind of funny. I think it's okay if it is like a obviously stupid thing to say. Like um Yeah. Like Mark Brown, who does Game Maker's Toolkit, like we'll like we'll call um I am bread, I think. He called a toast em up, which is like okay. <laughs> that's obviously sure. like He's yeah, it's like how else do you describe a game about bread? Uh, okay, let's wrap it up. That was a good long segment. Next week, you know what? I'm gonna get a little bit into Disney Dream Eye Valley. I'm gonna bring that mm. around. Oh, uh, yes, I think we okay. gotta talk about it. We gotta talk. I about haven't it. played it yet, but I want to. I will yeah. make sure I have by next week. Um, also, we have D23 this weekend, so we'll have I know some announcements, a little hush hush, a little embargo, <laughs> so we'll be able to talk about some Disney and or marvel games next week possibly uh other than that uh oh i'm going to uh see some capcom games that they're going to be showing off at tokyo game show so i think we'll be able to talk about that because tokyo game show is around the corner too it's convention season fellas yeah baby 
We're Woo. busy, busy boys. Yeah. Uh, anybody have any previews, reviews next week you want to tease? Uh, Gizmo for Multiverse. Ah, it's probably not worth its own thing, but I, I will not be shut enough about it. So, yeah. We'll be playing some multiverses. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch the new Pinocchio and see. I want to see how Tom Hanks's uh-huh. crazy accent in this compares to his accent in Elvis. I want to see which which is better. You know? I heard it I has a see... very surprising ending for a Pinocchio movie for old Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe some, a bit of a twist. Oh, also uh, uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Mm. Mm, yeah, oh, you yeah. reviewed that, right? Uh, I saw two episodes, so we'll talk about that when it's out. Uh, okay. I think next week. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I've heard it's good. Things. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, okay. Next uh, week's uh, episode 52. Wow, whole we year. Made it. We made Woo-woo. it. We're, actually, no, we've been going a bit more than a year, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. It's been like a few weeks we've missed. We have. We've but, skipped a couple weeks here and there. But... Yeah. Well, that's cool. Mm. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. We'll see you Bye. next Goodbye. Time.